Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. A man was living in Atlanta, Georgia. He noticed not far from Atlanta was another town named Lafayette. But in Atlanta, they, pro- they pronounced it Lafayette. His daughters were beginning to pronounce it that way, too. Near where he was raised in Indiana, there was also a town named Lafayette. So when he took his family on a vacation trip back to his hometown, he thought, this would be a good chance for my kids to learn how to pronounce the name of that town correctly. As soon as they got into the city limits, they were all starving, and so they stopped off at a Burger King to eat a hamburger. Now's my chance, he thought. I'll ask someone who's a native of this town how to say the word Lafayette. So when the girl brought their hamburgers out to their booth, he said to her, Wait a minute. Before you leave, I want you to tell my daughters where we are, and I want you to say it very, very slowly. Pronounce it exactly as it's supposed to be pronounced. She looked rather puzzled and said, really? And he said, yeah. So she said, okay, Burger King. What we say isn't always exactly right, and we make mistakes. Sometimes we say things we shouldn't, or we say unkind things. But as with all parts of our lives, God wants us to allow Him to be in control of this area as well. The following are statistics on how much the average American talks. The average American has 30 conversations a day and will spend one-fifth of their life talking. If all of our words were put into print, the result would be that a single day's words would fill a 50-page book, while in a year's time, the average person's words would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. If you're a man, you speak an average of 20,000 words a day. If you're a woman, you speak 30,000 words a day. That's a lot of words and a lot of time talking. God cares about our speech. He cares about the quality and content of our conversation. He not only cares about what we talk about, but how we say it and why we say it, too. Living in the current dispensation of grace, everything is marked by grace. And in our Christian walk, in our day-to-day living, God would have us live by grace. And thus, as talking is such a large part of our lives, God would have, us, would have our speech marked by grace. The ungodly say in Psalm 12, verse 4, Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? But as believers, we should echo the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 141.3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Colossians 3.16 reads, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The word of Christ, of course, speaks of God's word. But Paul is specifically referring to the word of Christ revealed to the Apostle Paul for the church in this age of grace. Paul's epistles contain the body of truth revealed to him from the glorified Lord for this dispensation of grace. 
Understanding God's Word in light of Paul's letters allows us to properly interpret and apply the Word to our lives today. The gospel Paul preached he received by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The message he made known are the commandments of the Lord. Paul's epistles are the Word of Christ, as is the rest of the Bible, but Paul's writings reveal Christ's will directly for his church, the body of Christ, in the dispensation of grace, and how the church is to live and serve the Lord under grace. And we are to allow this word, the message given to Paul by Christ, to dwell in us richly. The word dwell means to be at home, to feel at home. God calls on believers today to let His grace truth revealed through Paul to take up residence and to be at home comfortably in our lives and to have it dwell richly and abundantly in our lives so that it produces all wisdom in us. And then we are to submit and allow this wisdom to guide and to direct us in life, with the end result being that the Word of Christ transforms us into being more like Christ. When God's Word abundantly dwells in us and becomes part of a believer's nature, it produces not just information, but also emotion and the desire to give praise to God for His goodness and His grace. In that praise, Paul speaks of singing psalms. In the church, various psalms are often put to music. Some examples among the many are, As the deer panteth for the water, based on Psalm 42, verse 1. You are my hiding place, based on Psalm 32, 7. And I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, based on Psalm 89, 1. Unlike psalms, hymns and spiritual songs are not written by divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit and are not part of Scripture, but they incorporate portions of Scripture and are filled with rich doctrinal spiritual truths and themes which give praise, honor, and thanksgiving to God. Donald Husted says, Singing is for believers. The relevant question is not, do you have a voice, but do you have a song? As the Word of Christ dwells in us richly and we grow in grace, it produces a song and singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Paul teaches here in verse 16 that our singing and praise is a demonstration of God's grace in our hearts. Praise and singing proceeds from the heart and is done out of thankfulness to God and for His grace. The Lord taught Israel in His earthly ministry how the heart agrees with the mouth, and the mouth agrees with the heart. Matthew fifteen eighteen reads, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And thus, as God's grace touches our hearts, and His grace changes us, then grace comes forth from the mouth. Grace produces gratitude. And out of the gratitude of our heart, we open our mouths and we sing and we praise and we honor the Lord for all He has done for us by His grace and how He has made us so rich spiritually in Him. The other thing that Paul makes clear in this passage is that as the believer an assembly of believers joyfully sing with grace in our hearts. We sing to the Lord. He is the audience. 
to whom we sing. We do this as we heed the first few verses of this chapter, and we seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And we set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Thus, when we sing, we do so by faith in the Lord. We sing to the Lord. We lift up our voices to Him in worship of our living, exalted Savior. And as we allow the Word of Christ to dwell richly in us, it opens our eyes to the greatness, the majesty, the goodness, the kindness of the Lord and to the wonder of His grace. And therefore, praise and thanksgiving naturally springs forth from our voice. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 read, With all, praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to the saints at Colossae, and his prayer request for the Colossians was that God would open for him a door of utterance. He asked for an open door of opportunity to speak God's word to others. Now notice he didn't ask for an open prison door to get out or a more comfortable pillow, or for some better food in prison. His focus was not on his personal comfort or this world. Paul's focus was on Christ, God's truth, and people. Reaching people for Christ and teaching them the truth of God's Word. And Paul's prayer was for any obstacles and barriers to be removed and a door to be opened for the Word that he might speak the mystery of Christ to others. He makes this request whether he was to remain incarcerated in prison or whether outside the prison should he be released. Now, Paul wanted to speak the mystery of Christ. And the reason he calls it the mystery of Christ is because he's referring to a message concerning Jesus Christ as he was never made known before Paul. The term mystery means that that which God kept hidden, secret and had never before revealed. Romans 16.25 puts it, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. The mystery of Christ is the preaching of Christ according to what he's doing today in his present heavenly ministry during the dispensation of grace as he is the exalted head of the church, the body of Christ. And the mystery of Christ centers on the preaching of the cross of Christ and all our Savior accomplished for us at Calvary. And Paul's desire was for a door to be opened that he might continue to proclaim the good news of Christ and Him crucified. Paul's kind of passion for Christ and God's truth and speaking it out to others should be imitated. God wants to use our voices for Him and for His truth and to spread his message of grace to others. In the past, King David, under the law, said things like, Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live. For thy law is my delight. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. David had a passion for the program he was under, for the law he was to know and to live by in order to glorify God. 
But God has temporarily set Israel aside today, and He has told us in His Word that we are not under the law, but under grace. But like David, we need to have His kind of passion for the program we are under, and for God's grace that we are to know and to live by and to make known today for the glory of God. Under grace, it's not, I delight in your law. It's it's not, oh, how I love your law. It's, Lord, thank you for your grace. And, oh, how I love your grace. Your grace is my joy and my delight in my meditation. At the beginning of each of Paul's letters, we find the declaration, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, God the Father and God the Son are declaring grace and peace to the world today. We are God's ambassadors. We are His mouthpieces, His voices of grace. To, for us to go around the world and to do the same as our God, to declare His grace and His peace. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. True Spirituality is a hardcover 209-page book written by Pastor Cornelius Stan, founder of the Berean Bible Society. This book is a practical guide to living the Christian life. We should all long to be truly spiritual. But what is true spirituality? This is the question Pastor Stam seeks to answer by the Scriptures Rightly Divided. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Colossians 4-5 reads, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Paul teaches the church here to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Those who are without are those who are without Christ, without eternal life, outside of the body of Christ. In other words, unbelievers. And toward them that are without, Paul says we should walk in wisdom. The way we walk in wisdom goes back to Colossians 3.16, by letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, in all wisdom. As we live by the Word of God, and specifically the message Christ revealed to Paul for this age of grace, we will walk in all wisdom. As believers, what we are gives credibility to what we say. A Christ-like character walking consistently by the Word of God gives power to our words. As the old hymn, God of Grace and God of Glory says, we need to be armored with all Christ-like graces in the fight to set men free. And that is what Paul is teaching us in Colossians 4, 5. 
following is a personal life experience from Charles Chu. A few years ago, I had a chance to become a hero, but it turned out to be an embarrassing moment. I was in China on a tour group. Our tour bus was on the way to a scenic spot with another tour bus in front of us. It was snowing and the road was muddy. Suddenly, the bus ahead of us skidded off the road and tipped over on its side in a rice field. I quickly jumped off my tour bus, ran to the overturned bus, and jumped on top. Windows were shattered, and people inside were obviously hurt. The emergency door was facing upward, so I grabbed the handle of the emergency door and pulled. The door did not open. I kept pulling hard, but it wouldn't budge. By this time, others had come and were pulling people out through the windows, so I gave up on the door and joined them. After I moved away from the door, another man went over to the door. He turned the door handle and the door opened easily. I suddenly realized why the door did not open for me. me. I had been standing on the door as I tried to open it. With good intentions to save lives, I had become the biggest obstacle blocking the door of rescue. Mr. Chu finishes with the thought, sometimes those who want to lead others to Christ likewise become the biggest obstacle to their salvation. Sometimes our walk and our speech can be an obstacle to others' salvation. Thus God teaches us to walk in wisdom by the Spirit and by the power of His Word so we might be effective witnesses to those without Christ. Colossians 4, 6 reads, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Paul had spoken of singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord in Colossians 3.16. Now he speaks of speaking with grace to others in our daily conversations. Again, our mouth and hearts agree, and so we need grace in our hearts by the word of Christ richly dwelling in us, before our speech can be always with grace. Paul is teaching the church that it is important that we communicate with words of grace when we speak with others who don't know Christ. Many believers want to argue with people who don't believe and let loose on them who they know that are living in sin. But instead, God would have his church speak, respond, and share the gospel with grace. The famous missionary C.T. Studd once traveled to China on a ship whose captain was an embittered opponent of Christianity and who often studied the Bible for the sole reason of arguing with the missionaries who frequently sailed on his ship. When he learned that Studd was aboard his ship, the captain lit into him. But instead of arguing with him, Studd put his arm around the captain and said, But my friend, I have a peace that passes all understanding and a joy that nothing can take away. And the captain replied, well, you're a lucky dog, I guess. And he walked away. Before the end of that voyage, that captain became a rejoicing, believing believer in Christ as his personal Savior. By Stud's efforts, this man was gloriously saved from his sins. And that's the speech, always with grace, seasoned with salt, knowing how we ought to answer and respond to every man that God desires. 
Speaking with grace means to say what is wholesome, fitting, kind, sensitive, complimentary, gentle, truthful, loving, and thoughtful. Speaking always with grace pertains to to the sharing of God's truth, but also beyond this. In any and all circumstances of life, in communicating with others, believers are to make gracious speech a habit of life as we allow our speech to be always with grace. Paul also says our speech should be seasoned with salt. We sit down to eat, a common thing we ask and say is, where's the salt? Pass the salt. Salt is good. It adds flavor. Salty speech refers to lively, interesting, witty discussion. It's the opposite of a monotone and dull speech. Christian Herder was governor of Massachusetts, and he was running hard for a second term in office. One day after a busy morning chasing votes and no lunch, he arrived at a church barbecue. It was late afternoon, and Herder was famished. As Herder moved down the serving line, he held out his plate to the woman serving chicken. She put a piece on his plate and turned to the next person in line. Excuse me, Governor Herder said. Do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? The woman told him, sorry, I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person. But I'm starved, the governor said. The woman said, sorry, only one to a customer. Governor Herder then decided to throw his weight around a little bit. He says, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of this state. And the woman said, do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Now move along, mister. That's speech that has some flavor to it, knowing how to give an answer. Paul is saying, don't allow your conversation to be tasteless. Add a little flavor, a little liveliness, a little earnestness to your conversation when we share. Put effort, put thought into it. In other words, don't let, your, don't let it all be fluff. Our speech needs to have an effect like salt has on food. Salty speech makes people thirsty for more, you could say. And when we speak about God, we speak about His grace, we, th- we talk about our faith, we should do so with joy and enthusiasm. Because what could be better than grace? We have this incredible message to share of God's gift of eternal life, forgiveness of all of our sins, a home in heaven, all spiritual blessings, all by grace alone, all free, all ours by faith in Christ, granted to us who don't deserve any of it. And it comes to us just by the kindness, grace, and love of God. Ephesians 4.29 reads, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. A few verses later from Ephesians 4.29 in chapter 5, verse 3, Paul teaches about the kind of corrupt communication that should not proceed out of our mouths, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. But then in Ephesians 5.9, Paul teaches that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. One of the fruits of the Spirit's working in us is goodness. Thus we learn that it is the Spirit that enables the believer to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths, and instead for it to be that which is good. As we yield to the Spirit, 
our speech will be good and set apart to God and glorifying to Him, talking about good, godly, wholesome things. And God wants our speech to be good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Gracious speech is edifying and is a ministry toward others and is part of our service to God. God in His grace lifts us up, and so as our speech is with grace, it will lift others up, and our speech will be helpful, positive, kind, encouraging, and complimentary. Dr. Larry Crabb recalls an incident in the church he attended as a young man. It was customary in this church that young men were encouraged to participate in the communion services and to pray in front of the congregation. Feeling the pressure of expectation, the young crab who had a problem with stuttering stood to pray. In a terribly confused prayer, he recalls thanking the Father for hanging on the cross and praising Christ for triumphantly bringing the Spirit from the grave. When he was finished, he vowed he would never again speak or pray out loud in front of a group. At the end of the service, not wanting to meet any of the church elders who might feel constrained to correct his theology, Crabb made for the door. Before he could get out, an older man named Jim Dunbar caught him. Having prepared himself for the anticipated correction, Crabb instead found himself listening to these words. Larry, there's one thing I want you to know. Whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you 1,000%. And Crabb reflected in a book, Even as I write these words, my eyes fill with tears. I have yet to tell that story to an audience without at least mildly choking. Those words were life words. They had power. They reached deep into my being. Jim Dunbar could have corrected him. He could have laid into him about the mistakes he made, but he didn't because those words were words of grace. And they did as Ephesians 4.29, they ministered grace unto the hearer. And having a voice of grace, we should encourage others, build others up, minister grace to our hearers in life with whoever we come in contact with, but especially to those closest to us in life, our spouses, our children, our family, friends, and our church family. We should be thankful for them. We should build them up and lift them up high because that's what God has done by His grace for us. He's lifted us up and give a, gave us an exalted position seated us on high in the heavenlies. And having a voice of grace is about lifting up our Lord in our worship and our praise. It's about lifting up our Savior as we share His perfect salvation with others. And it's about lifting up others as we encourage those around us in life. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.